Meeting the people who are making the changes needed to tackle climate change. This is Follow the Leaders on KCLR, funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with a television licence fee. You're very welcome along to Follow the Leaders on KCLR, where each week we hear from the people who are leading the way, making the changes necessary to meet the challenges posed by climate change and are working to reduce their carbon footprint. I'm George Drummy and I'm joined by Robbie Dowling, my co-presenter, and we'll be with you until seven o'clock this evening. Robbie, you're very welcome along. Thanks a million, Deirdre. Continuing our conversations on food and waste again this week, what's the particular focus of the programme today? Yeah, so later in the show, we'll be hearing from Greenside Up founder Dee Sewell on the benefits of growing your own food. I also caught up with environmental scientist with the Environmental Protection Agency, Odile LeBlanc, to chat about the work that the body do to help with the reduction of residential and also commercial food waste. But right now we're going to hear from Colin Gibson of Clean Technology Centre Cork, who gave me a general overview of where we are at when it comes to food waste. And he also spoke about the ways in which we can all kind of make changes that would both improve our own lives, but from an environmental and a financial perspective. I began by asking Colin to explain to me um, what Clean Technology Centre Cork is. CTC or Clean Technology Centre is um, a not-for-profit environmental, I suppose, research and consultancy uh, group within Munster Technological University. Um, we've been in operation since 1992, so we kind of started at the time um, working with the pharmaceutical industry in Cork Harbour, where there was a lot of, I guess, hassle and environmental kickback from local organisations against the pharmaceutical industry and the fact that you know there was pollution being left out into the local environment. So Dermot and Noel, who were the uh, two chemical engineers, they were both uh, lecturing in the RTC at the time, they kind of came together and started working with the industry looking at you know how you could change processes and how everything was done within pharmaceutical um, factories to reduce the hazardous nature, I suppose, of, of the waste that were being uh, uh, generated and also to reduce the sort of the pollution into the local environment. So that's kind of where we started from. And it was it was in the early 90s when, I, I suppose, environmental-focused work wasn't as mainstream as it is now. Um, and the whole kind of cleaner production, pollution prevention, um, ethos and way of working was was just starting to take foot in in europe and and, and in the states and, and japan as well so it was uh, we've been around since then um and we still kind of we still have the same ethos of looking at how to prevent waste at source and you know when we talk about waste we're talking about energy waste water waste you know physical material waste um and trying to come up with ways um to reduce it um, and this of course uh, is challenging because you know it, it, it's fine in a, in a production process you can look at it and you can look at it quite analytically but as soon as you sort of get into society communities households businesses you start dealing with people and that's really uh, the biggest challenge I, I guess that we have Robbie. And how did you get involved in it yourself Colin what's your own background? Um, so I'm a chemist um, I did uh, my my kind of my degree in postgrad in, in chemistry back in the in the in the, le- the late years of the last century and I just kind of fell into it to be honest with you Robbie I, I came in uh, for an interview to do to work on a research project on uh, a topic called zero emissions and wastes um, and this is really interesting you know I, I came from a kind of a, a quite a, a lab based background where things were quite you know straightforward you know it was A plus B equals C and 
all of a sudden, you know, we were looking at at a community level how to, you know, have a zero emissions and waste community. Um, and it was a research project, but there was a practical element to it. And I suppose we ended up looking at uh, renewable energies. We looked at uh, started looking at a thing called industrial symbiosis, which is basically where the waste materials from one process become. The, the starting point for another process, you know, um, we started looking, we were looking at the time then at cleaner production, so how to improve existing businesses and how they do things. Um, and we were looking at uh, another area called industrial, uh, or um, they were uh, industrial biological systems where you use biological processes to manage waste. And, you know, this is back in 2002, 2003. Um, and it's interesting now when you look at, say, the circular economy and the theories behind the circular economy, all of these elements kind of feed into it. So it was a really interesting European-funded project. So I, I kind of came into it um, just to do that. And then through working with the team here in CTC, we, I, I suppose I became established in, in working on other areas. Um, another very interesting thing that we worked on at the time was we started looking at uh, improving the way our waste statistics were put together. Um, so we've been working uh, with the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency. Um, so the EPA have to report waste statistics to Europe uh, every year, every couple of years. And as part of that, they have to do an assessment of the waste. So we know now through our licensing um, and reporting system from waste collectors, how much waste is generated by different kind of uh, types of waste. So, you know, uh, general waste, recycling waste, brown bin waste. But what does it actually contain and where does it come from? So um, we have been working with the EPA since then. So when, when I started, we were doing one of these projects and I became involved in that as well. So, yeah, it, it, was, it was really from from those humble beginnings that, uh, that, 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 that uh, I came to be where I am today, I suppose. And if we look in a broader sense at food waste and just waste generally, Column, what are the main things at the moment that you're looking at in terms of that need to be tackled in the immediate future, but also for sustainability purposes in the long term? Oh, that, that's, a, that's, a, <laughs> that's a tricky question, probably. <laughs> So uh, actually, you know, the waste is is a very important kind of starting well point uh, starting point for where where we're working right now. So, as I mentioned, this national waste statistics, which we were collating, we do this really for a waste reporting perspective. Um, as a country, we have to report to Europe, and then we have certain targets that we have to try and address. And we put policies, programs, and supports in place actually based on this data. So while the data is ostensibly for stats, it actually is a really useful and important piece of information in figuring out what you were asking just there, what are the problem areas. So in 2008 and 2009, when we we did um, one of these these national surveys, which which take an awful lot of time, um, the issue, and we we, we would have been looking predominantly at the commercial sector more so than at the household sector, um, even though we were involved in both, but we would have been focused on the, on the commercial sector, which would be you know, all the forms of businesses. Um, food waste kept coming up as being one of the biggest things, and we're, we're just finishing another study now um, in 2022, and you know, of the commercial waste, which is collected from all the businesses, food waste accounts for 
you know, in around 35% of all the waste that's generated, which is about 700,000 tonnes nationally. Um, so these results will be out in the next couple of weeks. So food waste is a huge problem. And while food waste in itself is a huge problem, the fact that the majority of it is ending up in our general waste bin rather than our, in, in, in our brown bin um, is, I think, probably one of the key things that we as a country need to address. Um, we have a very good waste management system in the country, um, and while getting food waste out of the black bin or the general waste bin into the brown bin um, you know, doesn't reduce the amount of waste we're generating, it does at least allow us to put it into a, a more sustainable and a kind of a more environmentally preferable management route. So, you know, if we were to do one thing, I think we need to improve our segregation of food waste across the board at household level, um, but in businesses. Um, and then uh, ultimately we need to start looking at how we reduce it because food waste has a, has a huge environmental footprint associated with it. Um, and, you know, when, when, when it's been studied internationally, the, the kind of emissions associated with food waste are, 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 are not far off the emissions associated with international and national travel. So it's a huge carbon impact um, in, terms of, in terms of our climate. Um, so yeah, food waste, its segregation, its prevention, I think would be kind of one of the big things that we have to look at. And the thing about, the, about food waste, though, is it's, it's a tricky one because... Um, uh, it's to do with how we manage our food on a day-to-day basis. So we have to change behaviours and the way we do things. And that's much harder than, you know, just implementing a technology change. And I know you're also involved with stopfoodwaste.ie. Could you give us an understanding of what that is? Yeah, so uh, again, going back to the, the, the waste uh, sort of statistics that we would have compiled in 2008, we, we realised that there was a huge problem with food waste. So, uh, the, the EPA initiated the Stop Food Waste Program, which we were involved in establishing from the start. Uh, we, we're actually not involved in, in managing it anymore, um, even though we, we, we did manage it for over a decade. So, you know, food waste and reducing food waste is actually something we can do, you know, two or three times a day if we, you know, if we put our minds to it. So what Stop Food Waste was all about, uh, or is all about, sorry, is um, providing people with information about the simple things that they can do day to day to reduce their food waste and you know it, it's quite it kind of we, we broke it down into four or five key areas so you have the planning phase well there's I, I suppose the first thing to, to really think about is, is is you know how much food am I wasting what type of food am I wasting you know we're very habitual when it comes to food so even the simple act of having a look at your bin for a few days and seeing you know what's going in there what am I throwing out you know uh, will provide information on what your house or your, you are doing as an individual because we're all different so every household is going to be different and then every individual within the household is going to have a kind of a different way of managing food so one of the first things we, we would always promote or suggest is just have a look in your bin see what you're throwing out and you know it's it's oftentimes not the, the, the one-off big things it's the small volumes of things that you're throwing out in a consistent manner day to day or week to week um, and then after that it's up to figuring out whether it's in the planning phase you can improve yourself or how you do things it's at the shops because shopping uh, you know we, we all you know oftentimes you go in for a litre of milk and you'll come out with three or four things that you might have needed um, you look at how you store things again you know, we, we store things in a habitual manner. So, you know, a very simple example is 
bananas. So if you ever think of the old grocery stores, they'd have always had a banana hanging off a hook. Um, so they'd have been up higher than all the other fruit and veg because they give off a gas called ethylene. And this, this gas is given off by all fruit and veg. Bananas tend to give off more. And this is the gas that would... Um, uh, make things go riper quicker. So if you've got your bananas in a fruit bowl, all your other fruit is going to go off quicker. So that's why you would always have your bananas separately or hanging hanging higher. So simple simple tips like that is really what Stop Food Waste is all about. It's about providing people with the information that they can then apply in their in their day-to-day lives. And you mentioned a little earlier the fact that why it is such a difficult topic is because of behavioural changes. Why do you think there's a hesitancy from people to make those changes, even though it's for the betterment of themselves as individuals and also as a society as a whole? Well, that's very difficult. You know, I think at times we feel that, you know, what can I do with my day-to-day? You know, if you read about, you know, depending on where you sit on the whole belief in the on the climate change spectrum you know if you want to do something for the betterment of society sometimes we become disempowered and we think gosh what can i do so i think that's a that's a, a, a first point that people kind of just don't think they can do anything so they almost don't uh, try um and that's a hard one to overcome but let's assume that people overcome that uh, you know if you're in if you're in the throes of your day to day uh, sometimes it's just easier to throw stuff out because food has become kind of relatively cheap. I, I know there's an awful lot of people that experience food poverty and, uh, and that's a very real issue in our country. Um, but it is relatively cheap. You know, I think uh, we, we looked at it previously that in the 1950s, I know that's a long time back, you know, uh, the disposable part of our income spent on food was 30 or 40%. I think it's down to about 10 or 11% now. So, you know, food has become relatively cheap. Um, and even the food production system, you know, we, we talked about, you know, there's a big environmental sort of footprint with the provision of food. We have food waste the whole way along the, the supply chain so that we can get the food in, in, in into our homes. Um, and my attitude would always be, we have a duty of care to the food that we buy, regardless of what it costs, because what we pay for today, it doesn't really reflect all the other waste and energy that that, that was put into it. So why? Uh, it's very difficult. The other, uh, another crucial thing is, you know, is the time between when we buy food and when we ultimately dispose of food. So say if you're in the shop and you're buying a bag of carrots and you see a bag of carrots for two euros and you see a bag for 140, you'll buy the bag for 140. And yes, you make that decision when you're purchasing it, but if you end up throwing out carrots down the line, you don't really almost think about it. So there's this kind of disconnect between when we purchase and how we purchase and how we dispose. So it's very it's very nuanced. There's an awful lot going on. Um, there's the habits. There is, you know, simple things like, you know, the, the you know we, we we often so in our house we'd often you know put leftovers um, in the fridge but then you forget about leftovers and then they ultimately become waste a little later um, so that's it and then there's more traditional things like uh, the way we serve so the traditional way of serving in Ireland would have been you know plating up so you have a big plate of food you put it down and if it's not eaten then in most in most places you'll just scrape it off and throw it into the bin whereas if you put sort of serving bowls on the table and people take small amounts then you have more for leftovers you know, providing they're used for leftovers so 
it's it's a it's a very difficult one to address, to be honest with you, Robbie. And um, I, I certainly don't have the answers, to be honest with you. But I do believe that the increased awareness that there is the the fact that people are beginning to talk about it, like we're having this conversation today, which is brilliant. Uh, I think we need to talk about it. I don't think we need to point fingers. I don't think we need to blame people. I think what we need to do is give people the information and the awareness so that they can they can feel that they're doing something um, themselves. And of course, it's going to save money as well. Uh, the less you throw it, the, the more, you'll, more you'll ultimately have in your pocket. And what's the biggest takeaway you would like people listening in to come away from today, Colin? What's the kind of main message you'd like to send across? I suppose it's that that duty of care part. Uh, look, I, I, that's that's what's important to me. I suppose that uh, you know anybody who's ever tried to grow, you know, anything in a garden, they'll know how hard it is to get it right. And you know, you have to you have to grow it from the start. You have to harvest it. You have to you you eat it, and you know, you try and use it all. And like, there's a lot of effort, and you lose a lot of stuff. And w- a lot of us, if we 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 do a little bit of gardening at that level, you you'll you'll realise how hard it is to get produce. And then if you think about just the volumes of food that have to be produced, I think we do have a duty of care. Um, you know, we live in a, a country where obviously, you know, our our, our, our industry is, uh, our, our sort of agricultural industry has an awful lot of uh, meat and dairy, but we also produce lots of, say, for example, carrots. So we're working in Kilkenny at the moment with Kilkenny Leader Partnership on a project promoting home composting. So we're doing that with community groups and we're also looking at some of the great sort of community initiatives around food that are happening um, in the county. So I, I think we, we, especially when it comes to Irish produce, I think it's important that we take care of our, our food because there's a whole industry behind us and the more efficient we are, the more resilient that industry will be into the future. Um, so I, I think it's just that part. We all have a part to play we can do it every day when it comes to food. Uh, don't despair, um, and you know, do what you can. But yeah, you have to be aware of the issue and uh, first, and then just take small steps. And the other thing as well is, you you will all slip. You might be good this week, and next week you have a bad week. And, and, and I'd say, don't beat yourself up. But you know, just that duty of care when it comes to food, I think, is crucial. That was Colm Gibson of Clean Technology Centre Cork there speaking with Robbie. And after the break, we'll be hearing from Greenside Up founder Dee Sewell. You're listening to Follow the Leaders on KCLR. Welcome back. You're listening to Follow the Leaders on KCLR. I'm Deirdre Drummy and I'm also joined by Robbie Dowling. Before the break, we heard from Cullum Gibson of Clean Technology Centre in Cork. And Robbie, next up, we're going to be talking about growing our own food. Yeah, that's exactly it. We're now going to look at the importance of growing food with the founder of Greenside Up, Dee Sewell. The first question I asked her was about how she became environmentally active. So I suppose I'll begin at the beginning, which is when I was first had an interest in it. So I was a teenager um, many years ago and just I, I think I, at the time Friends of the Earth and Greenpeace were all quite big in the UK and um, and I started to hear stories about the ice caps and the rainforest and whaling and it was like jeepers. It, it, uh, it worried me so um, that's how it began uh, I, I wrote to MPs and 
I didn't kind of get any more active than that. I was always in awe of the people, actually Grace O'Sullivan, who was on the Rainbow Warrior at the time with Greenpeace. Um, But, yeah, kind of fast track then. I had, we moved to Ireland 25 years ago, had the three children here. And I became really aware of food. You know, I wanted to give my kids the best food that I could. And at the time, we couldn't afford organic food. So I started growing our own food. Um, I didn't want to be giving them chemicals in their food. Um, I've been reading lots of things about the um, how chemicals can Im- impact us in many different ways. So I started growing food and as a result of that started Greenside Up with the aim of just helping as many people as I could start growing their own food. And I'm an organic grower and I suppose once you start to do that, then I mean, you just never know what's going to happen when you plant those first carrots. But you become really aware of food waste, of, as I've mentioned, the chemical inputs, importing um, goods from overseas and the food miles. And, and, and a whole different world unfolds, I suppose. And you mentioned there green side up. Of course, that's something that you're involved with. Could you explain to us what that is and give us a bit of a background as to how it began as well? Yeah, so Green Side Up, it's uh, I'm owner-managed business. There's just me. I'm self-employed. And as I mentioned, back in uh, 2009, um, I actually returned to college as an uh, adult to study horticulture. And after finishing that course it was just a FETAT level five at the time I um, thought what could I what can I do with myself and starting just as I say starting the business small it was really just to help people get started I wasn't claiming to be you know a really high-end kind of knowledgeable person on all of this I just wanted to help people start growing and and that's what happened I um, started with group work the group work kind of came later initially it was one-on-one and then I started to work with groups in village halls and kind of doing demonstrations and talks and um, and then it went from there really I went back to education and studied more I've studied uh, the level six in market gardening and then landscape design and transformative community education all to help me achieve this kind of aim of helping people just start growing food and when we talk about growing food for yourself in this case or just people generally growing food what does that entail because I suppose it might be for many people kind of simplistic but a lot of people including myself maybe don't understand it fully yeah gosh it can be as simple or as complicated as you want it to be and I work with many groups now, a lot of social and therapeutic uh, community groups, actually. And we could just be planting potatoes in buckets and compost bags, or we can be planting up beds of different types of vegetables. And I suppose, um, what does it entail? It, well, it entails uh, needing a growing medium, so the soil or compost, it needs something to put that into. Um, or, or the ground and and then having seeds or plants to, to put in and then a bit of time to look after them all. <laughs> and how has it developed since you mentioned that you started Greenside Up in 2009? Has it yeah. kind of evolved since then? 
It has, yeah. Well, initially, I the first evolution, if you like, was at the beginning when I was absolutely terrified of standing there in public. So to even speak to six people just put the fear of God in me. But after that, you know, it really is a case of just keep on doing it. I didn't want to let fear stop me doing anything, so I just kept on and on. And so now I do talks... Um, I'm actually also a, a, a speaker, a wellness speaker for VHI, and so I do wellness corporate talks, um, consultation and mentoring, as well as working in therapeutic sessions. Um, I do a lot of work for Carlo Development Partnership under their PSYCAP banner, also a part-time ETB tutor, so in a lot of therapeutic sessions come of that. So Very busy then. For again, obviously, we're focusing on the environment here. What are the major environmental benefits of growing your own food rather than, as you alluded to a little bit earlier, kind of important goods? So, yeah, the environmental benefits of growing your own, well, if you're doing it organically, you're not filling your soil full of chemicals. So, I suppose you're really building the fertility in your soil. We're kind of a, a, an interesting time in terms of science because with so many um, with the microscopes we can start to see what's going on beneath our feet so we're learning about all the soil microorganisms and fungi and bacteria and how they all relate to the plants and and, and all of that comes from as I say just growing a few bits of food you start to notice the weather patterns you become much more aware of what's going on about you um, trying to encourage the the good guys into the gardens that who if, if you can get a good balance of um, creatures and uh, a, a rich biodiversity in your gardens then you're going to create a natural balance of, of insects etc that are going to deal with all the pests that we don't want so that kind of again gets rid of all the herbicides the fertilizers we don't need because we're adding fertility through using well-rotted organic matter and then you've also got that kind of local element. So you're literally going out and you're picking the food from somewhere that's hopefully grown quite close to you. And then you're cooking it pretty much straight away. So it's as fresh and as nutritious as it can be as well. So it's difficult to say just the environmental because there are so many kind of knock-on which is all related anyway it's we're all part of the environment and nature it's it's just part of it and you mentioned the local element there as well how important is it that we look at this maybe on a smaller scale and look within our own locality when we talk about tackling issues around food and waste specifically um well local and it I'm hesitating here because I've only recently myself been able to start using the local farmer's market. And I suppose that's one of the challenges is how do we access more local? If you're out working and you're busy and, you know, if you're out working on a Thursday and the farmer's market is Thursday, then how do you get that food? So until we we can kind of ramp that up more and make it more accessible, it's tricky. Um, but yeah, I've started to use the farmer's market for when I'm not able to have the veg growing at home. And in that, it's stopping my um, plastic waste because I'm just getting the food straight into my basket. I'm supporting a local grower and 
it's as I say, it's relatively close by. So the whole air miles issue of it is is looked at. Food waste, actually, I think. And again, when you're when you're growing, you know, I, I'm actually looking at what I'm going to use that week, and and I that's what I buy for. So I'm not wasting any food. And then it's all none of it's in plastic. That's a huge thing. That's made a massive impact. Greenside Up founder Dee Sewell and Robbie looking at the benefits of growing your own food there. And Robbie, moving on now, our final interview of the evening. What's next? Yeah, so our last interview for today's show is with Odile LeBloc of the Environmental Protection Agency. She manages the Food Waste Prevention Programme with the EPA. And the first question I posed to her was with regard to the work that she does with the Environmental Protection Agency. I manage the Food Waste Prevention Programme in the EPA and um, this is a programme we work collaboratively with businesses, government organisations to reduce food waste and aim to um, support Ireland meeting their target of reducing food waste by 50% by 2030. And what are the EPA's main goals when it comes to food waste, Odile? Yeah, so I suppose, you know, obviously reducing food waste is a huge challenge. There's a lot to be done. Um, Our main aims here, we implement the Food Waste Prevention Programme. So I suppose we look at it in three strands. We've got the household um, looking at food waste in the home. And then we also look at food waste along the the food supply chain and in the hospitality sector. And what's really important for us is that um, any action, it has to be led by evidence. You know, we need to know where best to focus our efforts. So we also do a lot of work around gathering data and um, insights around food waste, understanding where the problems are, why the problems are arising, and seeing if we can all work collaboratively with businesses and stakeholders to identify how we can reduce food waste and, and reach that target. And what are the EPA's main goals when it comes to food waste? Yeah, well, I suppose the main goal for us is um, uh, to reduce food waste, but really what we're trying to do is um, get in the business sector, we, we're trying to get um, more uh, consistent measurement to, to food waste to improve the accuracy of the data because one of the other things we're also obliged to do is um, for the first time actually all European member states must report food waste numbers to the Commission and we have to report it broken down by the different business sectors so you know by primary production by manufacturing also then all the way down to the household level and we need that data to get more accurate you know we, we produce the best available data that we can but like I say you know so that we know where best to focus the effort that needs to become more accurate so individually we are trying to encourage businesses to use our standard measurement methodology uh, the food waste measurement protocol and that will also from an it'll help us from a national point of view view but from a business point of view it will also help them identify any issues and opportunities for reducing food waste especially businesses in the food sector if they're throwing away food waste it's actually their product that they're throwing away. So there's huge cost savings to happen there. Obviously, it's an environmental issue, but on a more basic level, we've got cost issues here. And a lot of businesses are signed up as well to environmental accreditation schemes. You know, they might be um, looking for their ESG standards. And really, this is the kind of thing they need to be more accountable. Consumers are looking for more sustainable products when they're buying food. And this will help businesses account for that and those claims that they're making of sustainable food products. You mentioned they're working collaboratively. 
is that kind of an example of it when you're working with businesses to try and tell them there's huge benefits to this, not just from an environmental perspective, but also from a cost-saving initiative, and also that you know it is for the good of not just the business themselves but society as a whole. Yeah, and you know what's really important in the, in this work that we're doing, we need to understand the issues from a business perspective. You know, sometimes we've we've done a lot of work with the grocery retail sector, so and you know sometimes you think it's quite clear what the problem is and what needs to happen, but when you actually begin to talk about the businesses in that sector with the issues they're facing, you realise sometimes they are trying to do the best thing and maybe they're just not achieving it in the way that they you know they intended or they don't actually know what the best thing to do is so it just working collaboratively I think you know you accept different viewpoints mightn't always agree but I think you know what we what we do know is working collaboratively gives that that power behind the action because a lot you know when you do look around businesses are trying to do some initiatives to reduce food waste you might have a few projects you know maybe that local communities and the local council are running and the idea is all of those little things can have an impact if they're all pulling in the right direction and doing the right thing so maybe they might be spending a lot of time and effort focused on something like composting you know and while composting of unavoidable food waste is really really important and natural it's not that's not reducing the amount of what we're looking for in reducing food waste is actually around changing behavior so if it's in the home it's actually about planning your meals you know not buying too much food using the food that you do buy and ultimately for if you've done all of that and then you have a small bit of unavoidable food waste that needs to go into your brown bin. But I think most people tend to focus on that brown bin element and think, oh, it's all going into that. I'm, I've no problem. I don't generate food waste. But it's we're looking at more complex behaviour change and that can be a bit of a challenge sometimes. And this is why we all need to kind of work collaboratively to understand the issues and help identify some of the, let's call them easy actions we can take to um, solve the problems as well. And you mentioned there a little earlier some of the objectives of the Environmental Protection Agency around this subject. What do you do to try and implement these objectives and goals? Yeah, so I suppose, you know, when it comes to the householder side of things, we have, we run the national campaign, stockfoodwaste.ie. And with that, we um, we inform the work we do by uh, conducting behavioural insights. So we need to understand a bit more about our behaviours in the home around food. But then we run national communications and awareness raising and behaviour change initiatives around these behaviours that we need to uh, modify in the home. So, for example, last year we spoke about meal planning all year. This year what we're doing is we're looking at some of the common items that get thrown out the most. So we know from this behavioural insight research that bread is one of the top things that we throw away in our home. So for the first part of this year we've been talking about bread, how to, you know, buy less, how to store it better to keep it fresher for longer, recipes to incorporate bread if you've got, you know, a bit of leftover bread or too much bread and the idea is that you know by uh, rolling out these um, these information campaigns that people will understand these and, and a lot of these things it's very easy you know it's not rocket science at all we just need to be reminded of them regularly so you know and in, during the summer we're going to be talking about fruit and veg because they're the next most wasted thing in, in the country um, and then you know from a business side we've been developing some tools to help them measure their food waste and look at it in a more 
um, I suppose, a more standard way. So to look at their process and identify where the waste is coming from. If you're a hospitality business, look at the weights that are, you know, your bin weights that you get from your waste contractor. We have a tool that you can use to put your data in there. So we're, we've lots of things to try and help people. You know, we're trying to develop guidance, but we're also trying to work out what it is that we need to do. Because like I say, everyone might have their own idea of what we need to do, but we really need it to be evidence-based to have an impact. So that's our job as well, is to make sure that we are looking for the right data and evidence so that we can make a good impact on it. That's something you've mentioned uh, on a couple of occasions now, kind of the evidence-based um, idea behind it and the importance of more and more data. Why is that so integral to the work that you do? Yeah, well, I, I suppose, you know, when we go out talking to people, whether it be somebody, a householder, or whether it be, um, you know, a, a business, everyone tends to underestimate the amount of food that they waste. Everybody thinks that it's they don't waste much and it's someone else that's wasting the food. But actually, we know in Ireland, we waste about seven, um, about 800,000 tonnes of food a year. So that's a significant, like, that's a huge amount. And when it comes to that, it means that it is... It, we are all wasting food and you know it's not that we want to normalize that but we do need to acknowledge that food is being wasted and we also need to know where it's being wasted so you know we could spend all our time focused on a project to reduce uh, food waste in a particular area and then the evidence shows us that maybe that isn't the best the best place that we need to focus the effort so you know a little bit like we're talking about in the home we were suspecting, um, for a great example, actually, is we thought maybe people didn't have a very good understanding of what use-by dates meant, you know, where it's really important. The one date that you need to worry about when it comes to safety is a use-by date. So you'll only see it on perishable items, but it often gets confused with the best-before date, which doesn't have safety implications. It just means, means that the food mightn't be at its optimum quality afterwards, but after that date, but there's no safety issue. But we thought maybe this is why people were throwing out food. But when we went to look for the evidence, what we found was people actually had a really good understanding of those dates. You know, they knew they were different. But what we found was they weren't actually putting the behaviours in, uh, into action. So, you know, with the use-by date, they were letting it expire and then throwing it away. Whereas our advice with the use-by date is use it before that date. So you can either eat it, and if you find you're not going to eat it, you can put it in the freezer. So that kind of informed our campaign. Instead of trying to explain to people well this date means this and that date means that we actually focused on here's what you can do if you've got something that's about to expire in your fridge and it just made it into a much more productive campaign and that's kind of the example we're talking about and similarly in business you might find that you know um, we thought maybe there was a big issue in the um, brewing and distilling industry whereas we've gone out we found a lot of stuff that they already do is looking after um, reducing waste in that sector so maybe we go need to go and work a little bit more with the you know the bakery sector for example or something like that so that just all helps inform our work we're a very small team so we need to be very efficient with where where we do try and, and put our work for the most impact and what are the biggest issues with food waste in ireland today do you think 
Um, I think one, one of the one of the big issues for us is obviously that we need to we, we need to reduce it, and that can be that can be a huge challenge. It's it's very um, significant amounts that we produce, and we need to do a lot of work. I I think for us we're actually in quite a good place in that we've done a lot of foundation work. We have gathered that evidence. Our data is you know, in very good shape. We're very good at waste statistics. It's something we've a good a good record on. And it just means that we just need to pull all the pieces into place and we need to do it more. We need to scale up the good examples that we hear about. We need um, and, and like I say, the importance of that is that it's really important that good examples are measured, like they look at the impact of what they do. So you might hear a nice story of someone who implemented, I know um, an example of a, a, a hotel who introduced a new system for toast in the morning. You know, in a, in a lot of hotels, you might be brought out a little basket of toast um, and you probably get four slices in, in there, whereas uh, this hotel put in one of those rotations toasters you know where you put the bread in and it goes through and it toasts itself and they actually found when they you know what they did was they did a little survey to begin with they looked in their bins and they identified that bread was something that was being thrown away a lot so then they went and they put in this system and what they found when they did that obviously people were just toasting the amount of bread they wanted often when it goes out in a basket it goes cold quite quickly whereas this let people have you know have it hot it was it was fresher and they found that the amount of bread uh, waste in their bins went down significantly because they went back and they measured it so that's kind of a really good example of the importance of measurement informing what you do and measuring the impact at the end and then you know by doing that they identified cost savings of 4,000 euro over a course of I think it was six months so you know they, that was the, the cold hard fact for them was they saved money as well as reducing their waste bills because they were paying less obviously because they weren't um, weren't as heavy. It's, it's all really interesting and just lastly, Odile, obviously people are listening in from both Kenny and Carlo. What's your main message to them in terms of how they reduce their food waste? What can we do as, as people in our own homes to bring that down significantly? Yeah, I think, you know, there, if, you're, if you're a business owner, you know, if you work either in the uh, food manufacturing sector or in the hospitality sector, as I'm sure there's loads of those types of businesses in, in Kilkenny and Carlow, you can go to our website, foodwastecharter.ie, and download the measurement protocol and just measure measure your food waste. You'll find it'll surprise you and that'll also probably um, spur you into action as well. And you'll also find on that website some resources that will help you, you know, look, give you some ideas of what you need to do. But I tell you, even just measuring it to begin with will focus the mind. And actually, it's quite similar evidence that are similar um, approach that we would ask, we would suggest to householders just for a week, really simply, you know, jot down what you're throwing away. You know, most people now probably have a little caddy in their kitchen where they put their food waste before it goes out into the main bin. Keep track of it for a week and add it all up even start to put a little bit of money beside it you know and we actually have a form on our website stopfoodwaste.ie where you can use you know just to fill it out put someone in the household in charge to write it down if you've got kids maybe give one of them the job to do it and even that if you start to look like even if you think about it you know you throw away two slices of ham a few slices of bread maybe some fruit and veg that went a little bit off you add all of that up if that came to let's say roughly about a tenner 
you know, that in a week. Like if you add that up, that it, you just can't, you know, that's, that's what, 52 weeks, you know, 500 euro already just by those few little bits and pieces that I'm sure we all are guilty of throwing away. And in fact, you know, we estimate, and this is really conservative, that the average household probably throws away around 700 euro a year. So, um, you know, there's huge impact there. And once you even identify the common things that you do throw away, you'll, you'll probably start to see a pattern. And then you need to look at, and you know, that our website has lots of information to help you work on how you can, you know, buy better, how you can store it better, and then ideas for using it up to stop you throwing that common item that you, that you do throw away. So ideally, let's say you find you are throwing away bread, you know, maybe try buying a smaller pan, or if you, if you do, if you find it difficult to buy a smaller pan, freeze half of it when you buy it, you know, and use that then maybe for making toast or I find it fine for sandwiches. Some people prefer to, you know, just maybe use it for toast. So it's yet again, it's about this just measuring is going to, has to be kind of that, that uh, link to action, help us understand what actions we need to undertake. That was Odile LeBlanc there chatting to Robbie. And Robbie, just in terms of the interviews there this evening, some really interesting information. And one point that struck me there is uh, when Odile was speaking, she was talking about that, you know, everyone tends to underestimate the amount of food they waste. Um, you know, you think you don't waste that much, but then, you know, actually maybe looking at tracking it. So I think maybe we need to set ourselves a challenge there for next week, track our own food waste. Yeah, possibly so. I think it's a really interesting point. And I think it probably is the only way that we can go about solving it because I think all this kind of ad hocish, and I think of something Colm alluded to as well, set sort of some sort of targets and goals. And if you don't achieve them, it's not the end of the world. You go again next week. And I yeah. think that's kind of something that Odile touched on too. So maybe it is something that we're both going to have to look at for next week. Yeah, definitely. I think that challenge must be set um, because I suppose when you break it down as well, and I think there was the figure of maybe 700 euro um, a year wasted. Yeah. It's like not only the food waste side of it but also uh, like the cost saving that can be for people yeah that's it I think it's something that has been touched on quite a bit it's um, it's incredible you know I think uh, Craig Benton alluded to it last week on last week's show one in every four shopping bags are thrown out which is just um, not what you want to hear exactly yeah. but from a financial perspective or also from an environmental point of view so it's certainly something that's really tough um, and it has to be looked at seriously from a household perspective but also from a commercial point of view as well because it's a massive issue and until we solve it I don't see how we actually go about eating into this crisis that we're currently in the midst of. Um, and I think something that's a recurring theme throughout all the programmes to date from right from the beginning is it's constantly said changing behaviours. Yeah, that's the key thing and something that we've spoken about, not just in regards to this topic, food and waste, but in the throughout the duration of the eight shows that we've done so far and the seven to come, I think it is something that we'll speak about because it is very, very difficult to change behaviours. But until we do that, that is um, will never actually solve the issue. Okay, well, that's all we have time for this week. Um, A lot more to come next week from 6 to 7pm as we continue our journey with local people who are making changes to their daily lives in the effort to help the climate change. Um, A big thanks to all of our guests this evening and thanks to you for listening. Stay tuned as Owen Carey will be up with Fully Loaded after the 7 o'clock news. Follow the leaders, meeting the people who are making the changes needed to tackle climate change. A KCLR production funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with a television licence fee.